It's been a while, but we are back. It's Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. It has been a while, hasn't it? It's been a it? couple of weeks. It, it hasn't Why been. Why is that? Uh, oh, you, but you've been traveling, <laughs> and I've been traveling. and Yeah, there's, you know, in, in the sports world in general, Jason, right now, you've been busy. Tiger yeah, Woods and that's Rockets. True. Yeah, and, yeah it's, been, it's been an interesting time. Hey, I want to jump right into um, congratulations. On what? Congratulations. You don't know why I'm congratulating you? Uh, Come have, on. Have to do with uh, something you might sit on? Barstool Sports? <laughs> bar yeah. st- a barstool? Yeah, that was kind of funny. So let me set it up for people. Tim Anderson of the White Sox is off to a relatively strong start. Okay, he's doing really well. It's going okay. And somebody found your old, your old scouting report on Tim Anderson, the amateur. Yeah. And... Giving you some props, man. It was interesting. It was, uh, you know, we're talking about, there's a guy in Seattle who's a big supporter of ours, Jason Churchill, uh, does baseball things, his podcast up there, and, you know, he he was watching what, you know, Tim Anderson was doing, so he sends a tweet, puts a tweet out and says, hey, Jeremy, um, anybody outside of Chicago like Tim Anderson back in 2013? And I was like, nope, never heard of him, and I put a screenshot of my report. Um, and so I guess Barstool picked up on it and kind of ran with it. It was kind of funny. And we had shown or mentioned that yeah. report in the first season of Extra we Bases. Did. We did. And to go along with that, I have to apologize to our audience because I've neglected to do something in the past 20-something episodes <laughs> that, uh, that was really something I enjoyed. Yeah. And I'll, I'll make it up to people later, and I'll explain what it is later. Right. But um, again, here's the post from Barstool, Barstool Sports talking about your report and Barstool Sports, the writer saying, I love when these old scouting reports pop up on players. A few weeks back, a White Sox scouts report on Bryce Harper leaked, and it was a complete dud. I didn't see that. Did you I see didn't it? Either. I didn't either. This one, well, it basically says Timmy Anderson is going to be a perennial all-star with 55-plus grades across the board. Of course, 55 on the 2080 scouting scale. And 55 is what? Perennial all-star, right? 55 is just above average, which can put you as a shortstop, which is what he is, an all-star. And the scouting report even attempts to predict his intangible tools, like base running and determination. Yeah. I don't know this scout, it's written here, but he nailed it. <laughs> it took a few years, but it. But Tim Anderson was hardly a finished product when he was drafted. Well, duh, nobody's a finished product yeah. when they're drafted. He was a high ceiling, low floor pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't write that. That's his words. Yes. Um, Tim Anderson at the time, man. You know, he was one of my my most favorite players to to scout. Uh, it was a unique skill set and, and history with him. And and for those who don't know the history of Tim Anderson, and it's hard to believe that was all the way back in 2013. So that wasn't exactly yesterday when he was an amateur. Um, he's a basketball player from Alabama, played a little high school baseball. And he goes into a junior college in Mississippi. And his first year, he goes and plays, I want to say it was the Jayhawk League. Mm-hmm. And he tears the cover off the ball, steals a bunch of bases. And now all of a sudden, it's like, hey, what do we got? Like, maybe he's not just an athlete. Goes back his sophomore year, and now all of a sudden, he's a star. Now he's tearing the cover off the ball, and he's a 70 runner, and he can play some shortstop, and he's got some instincts, and it's crude. It's not great, but man, if you're watching it, you're like, this guy is going to be really good. And you had to really bear down and really scout. It's actually a fun for a scout that goes out and sees everybody throwing 93, 94, and sees, you know, everybody's got a curveball, and they're all six foot one and right handed. I mean, that's what we call vanilla. Sorry, it is. Okay. This guy was the opposite of that. You had to dream. You had to project, you had to scout, you had to really center who he was as a player. 
And that report was hard to write, but it was also very fun to write. Tim Anderson on Wednesday, as we taped this, a yeah. little bit of a bat flip, a little yeah. bit of a bat flip. Okay, a little bit, yeah. And Did it go in the stands? Is that how far you threw it? Well, that would be a lot of a bat flip. <laughs> Jeez. Got uh, thrown at later in the game, not yeah. unexpected. Yeah. Was that the right call by yeah, the Royals? I, I, can't, I can't ever endorse somebody getting thrown at, but Jason, I got to say, there, you know what, and I love Tim Anderson's makeup. And I love these the face of the White Sox and, and what he can be. And but I'm gonna tell you what, it's gotten a little bit nuts. And you know, it's not was a meaningless home run. Yes, have fun, enjoy the game, absolutely. There isn't a hitter alive that's never hit one that knows it's gone, doesn't take at least a couple of steps. That's one thing. But he, yeah, he got drilled. I mean, that's you know, the game's gonna police itself. And you got guys on the mound who, hey man, you know, you gotta show some respect. Yeah, you got one, but that's one swing. And he got hit. And then he overreacted a little bit. Instead of just going to first base and playing the game, he overreacted. So he got a lot of control. Randall Gritchick from the area, yep. former Little League star. Yeah. Now Dr- with uh, the Blue Jays. Do you know who, who he was drafted ahead of, the Randall Gritchick story? Yes, he was drafted ahead of Mike Trout. One pick. Same team. Randall Gritchick tweeting, guys are getting a little excessive on pimping home runs, on meaningless home runs too. Act like you've done it before one time. Yeah, I can't argue that. I can't either. I can't argue it. I mean, if you're, you know, back in college, there was an expression. When I was at Cypress, we had a coach, God rest him, Ron Hawksinger. Cypress, California. Cypress, California, Cypress College Chargers. Thank you very much. He said, act like you've been there. You hit a home run, so what? It's over. It's one swing. Can't get it back. You strike out, it happens. Move on. And I think there's some of that, and I'm all for the the let the kids play. Like, I'm all for it. But Game-winning home run? Sure. That bat ended up in... I don't know. I think it might have been the dugout. It was tossed. You know, it's all right. Look, you got you got drilled. Then you got run from the game, and you know it's a moment. And the game pleases itself. You move on. But ultimately, he hurt himself and his team by getting tossed. He did. And you know, if you're gonna hit one to the nineteenth row, and you're gonna stand there and throw the bat, and they hit you in the hip, be glad they didn't hit you in the shoulder. And let's go to first base. Two and five seems so long ago for the Houston Astros. Doesn't it? Fast week and a half. Two and five. Josh Reddick tweeted out, chill. <laughs> it's only been seven games or a week. And guess what? He was right. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, they, you know, they got off to a rough start in Tampa Bay with a very healthy Tampa Bay team. And you said to me before the season, you said, don't measure this team against the West. Mm-mm. Measure them against the best. Yeah. And, and, and we had to measure them against the Rays. They did not look good in that first series. The Yankees are not the Yankees right now. They're hurt. And, you know, going back to Tampa Bay, I believe in the first podcast, I predicted Tampa Bay to win the East. You did not. Oh, you did. That's right. I did. And I said, because they were 91 team last year, and they're better now. Yeah. They're just better now. And the Yankees and the Red Sox and and the Rays, and and that group is the class of the league. However, the Rays are the only one living up to that right now because the Yankees are hurt, and and they're down, and the morale isn't great, and they're striking out a lot, and they're real easy to pitch to. And they're almost too homer-prone, too power-oriented for what they're doing. So what ends up happening is, 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 is the club like the Yankees comes here and plays a team like the Astros, which is still finding itself, and they get put on, turned on their ear, right? And so all of a sudden, it's a tailspin for them. So the Yankees, what are they, like 250 right now? I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not good. And the Red Sox from the beginning, the defending world champions, Red Sox, that's worse. Like, they're terrible right now. They can't, get, they can't buy an out. 
they can't get anybody out. It's it's unbelievable what's happened to to Chris Sale right on the backs of that what 130 million dollar contract. Chris Sale can't get can't couldn't get you know a five year old out. It's unbelievable right now. And what you're saying, I think, is even more reason why we should give AJ Hinch, the Astros, a lot of credit for what they did last year because. The Cubs have talked about it. Previous World Series winners have talked about it. And it is that, whatever you want to call it, yeah. after winning the World Series, that funk, that that high, that I don't know what you want to call it, but the Astros really did not have that. Yes, they had a poor stretch from time to time. Sure. But listen, they won more games. They were a better team. They won more games than the year they won the World Series. So to me, I, I think that, Maybe we're not giving enough credit to A.J. Hinch and his staff that they were able to, and the players, they were able to actually be better than, than the year previous in which they won it all. Maybe this is, this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately game. It, it's That's what sports are. It's pro sports, right? Pro sports are what? How long have you been covering pro sports? More than 20 years. All right, so over two decades covering pro sports. Nobody remembers the second-place team. You have to win. You have to win. And in this situation, we're we are here, and the Astros won in 2017 and were very good last year, better in the regular season, in fact. And some of the decisions they made in the postseason caught up to them. That's what, that, that's what happened. It wasn't they were, weren't the better team. They gave a game away in Boston. Yep. Right? We were there. Yep. Uh, still won. It was still a great trip, by the way. It was <laughs> unbelievable. They, they give a game away in Boston, and they come home and have a chance to fight back in a, a bad decision based on the numbers, and, and I think that ball Steve Pierce hit just landed, like right now, okay? So it's, you know, that, that's what happened to their season, right? And then it was downhill from there. Um, but the Red Sox as a whole are, are quickly digging them, pardon the They're 6 and term, 12. But, they're 6 and 12. But they're quickly putting themselves in a position that it's going to be tough to get out of. And, and the games, listen, we always, in September, we always think, oh my gosh, you know, they're, they're, they're two games out of the loss column, and yes, and, and that's the important time of year. It's not those games, yes, those games in September count, but oftentimes right. it is the games that you've squandered in April. Always. And May, those are the games that end up biting you. Yeah, nothing in this game, whether it's, it's an actual individual game, nothing in baseball comes down to one pitch or one swing, or one play, there's always other factors that contribute to that moment being the pivotal one. And in, in the season, yeah, it's April and it's May, and you know people used to say win the day, then win the week, mm -hmm. then win the month, and, yeah. and you do that enough times, and all of a sudden now you, you know, you're, you got a 20-game differential in the standings. Yeah. So I, I think the Astros deserve a lot of credit for what they have. For, most recently, they deserve a lot of credit for locking up their stars that they have paid, because that's important to win, especially with what's in the system behind it. They need to keep that here. For some perspective, the Red Sox are 6-12 and 12 through their first 18 games. Last year, the defending champion Astros at the time, they were 11-7 and seven through their first 18 games. 11-7 and seven is not great, but at the end of April, they were 20-10, and 10, and um, that's a whole heck of a lot better than 6-12. Yeah, and, 12. And, and you know what? I mean, that's, it, it, it is what it is right now. And, and especially in the East, yeah. where you've got two of the best three teams in baseball potentially those 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 six games that six game differential that that really could be the difference between being in the postseason and not being in it the could postseason. especially if it plays out the way the rest of the year you know it really it really could I, I still think Tampa Bay wins the division I know we're talking April 17 we're only 18 games in right but 
they're they're a good club even without Blake Snell who broke his toe. There's you know, but come on Blake. You know, but in, anyway, I think that they're a better team. So um, the Astros are going to have to – they need to look at that division. You know, the rest of the schedule, when they come off that 2-5 and five road trip, it's Oakland at home. Okay, we run through them, right? Then it's uh, the Yankees behind that who hurt, run right through them. Then it's Seattle who was playing way over their skis unsustainably. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Yep, ran through them too. And now they're back in Oakland and won last night. So – it's it's they're they're winning the part of the schedule they're supposed to. And yeah, the first series in Texas wasn't great at Texas. I mean, but you know, um, if they win the games they're supposed to, they'll they'll what would I say? 103 wins? Would you say 102 somewhere in there? I think I said 101. 101. So they'll, they'll be over 100 wins. You know, by the end of the year and, and maybe more because the division is such disparity in 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 who the who can play and who can't. And then it's about the East. So um, I don't have. There's no threat in the Central for me to the Astros, right? So it's the West and the East. Biggest surprise thus far on this 2019 Astros team for you. All right. So you're, you're going to say that you're not surprised with this and that's well, can okay. Can you let me, can you say it and then let I, me say it? But I please? know you, I know you. Can I give a pre, okay. Colin McHugh. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You're, you're surprised, surprised by this. I don't, I, I still don't believe in Colin McHugh as a, he as won a, 19 games one year as a starter. He was out of the rotation last year. 19 games. I want to be. I want to be. Colin McHugh for me is doing far better with that breaking ball. That slider is turning to a weapon, and it's a surprise. Didn't okay. know we had it in him. So for me, my biggest surprise isn't that the club is 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 what twelve and five. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're twelve and five. It's not that they won the last ten. It's that Colin McHugh is develop, developing right now for this stage of the season into legitimate number three. He's a legit number three, and that's that is a weapon. Now and that's worth a lot of money on the sure open is. market. It sure is, and the stuff behind him now in the bullpen. I still think they're all bullpen pieces, and I think that for what the Astros have on the club, they put the best guys in the rotation that w- was left. They're still missing a certain left-hander who's training in California, who might or might not be available, and won't cost them a draft pick to sign. But that's that's none of our business. That's between them. <laughs> Jake Marisnik for me. When you consider what an awful year he had last year, yeah, one of the nicest guys in the game, yeah. Batting 333, he's got an OPS of 919, and uh, I'm looking right now at the strikeouts, which has always been a big issue for him. Yeah, he has uh, eight and 27 at bats, which isn't great. Yeah, but um, he's his defense will always help him find a spot on this team. His defense, his energy, that's what AJ always talks about, and. to me, that that is certainly one of the bigger surprises, and I think Robinson Chirinos, the way he's played, and and I, I think that that's a, a pleasant surprise as well. On the flip side of that, I think uh, right now Tyler White should be happy that the Astros have won ten in a row because if they had continued to struggle, we might be seeing Jordan Alvarez pretty soon. Yeah, he's got seven home runs in yeah. AAA, yeah. and Tyler White right now is uh, hitting a, a soft two forty. Tyler White is not the guy, and we talked about it before. And look, in analytic terms, it's called regression to the mean, right? Tyler White is not the, not the guy that's going to carry the club. Another great guy, by the way. Sure, and, and great guys, and good clubhouse chemistry is important. But if you're looking for Tyler White to carry your club in that role, then you're not going to win. He's a piece. He's a, a matter part. of him just getting hot? Nah, he's a piece. He's a part. I don't care what he does. No, it, I know, you know he's a piece. But. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if he, where the bats are for him to get hot. You know, I think this team right now is built pretty well, and I'm probably using my DH as a as a you know a rest day 
somewhere. You know, I'm putting somebody else out there, and Tony Kemp's going to have some at-bats. He's earned those, right? Marisnik, the way he's playing, is going to earn those, and, and Tyler White hasn't. So, you know, it, is him hitting 240 a little bit of a surprise? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but I don't think he's he's not a carrying guy. He's going to have to be, well, a right-handed DH. What do we say about all these aces, if you will, in baseball struggling thus far this early in the season? Your Scherzers, your Klubers, Kershaw's been hurt. Is this the start of a changing of the guard? You know, or is there something? It's just a fluke thing right now. Well, all those guys are a little bit different um, in how they do it. You know, Scherzer and Sale, for example, Chris Sale, yeah, Chris Sale have, one. have uh, deliveries that are not conventional, right? Um, sales crossfire has some head violence relies on deception and velocity can reach back and find 95 traditionally right scherzer has that big head violence right gets out of the spins out of the way and you really get caught up in watching the motion and then all of a sudden it's 98 well unfortunately that deception and that velocity needs to go together and if they lose one or the other it's it it becomes something where they can get hit pretty hard and for sale it's velocity and for scherzer i think it's deception I think for Scherzer, what he, you know, it's so complex in his delivery and what it does that anything out of rhythm for there, he's going to show the ball a little earlier and it's going to get hit. Um, I, he's still Max Scherzer. Yeah, I mean Scherzer to a lesser extent. What I really meant to say was Sale. Well, either um, way, but Scherzer. I mean Scherzer thus far this year's, uh, you know, I think the ERA's in you know three point three or something like that. Um, he's one and two. The. Uh, Walk to strikeout ratio is still pretty good. Thirty-five Ks and yeah. five walks in twenty-seven innings. So um, he sh- he'll 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 be fine for a while. Kluber's ERA. Which is okay? So which one should we be most concerned about? I'm is concerned it sale? about sale just because it's six years and hundred thirty million. That and he's saying right now, I stink. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. At some point, it becomes a mental thing as well. It does, and and you know, Kluber's another one that's concerning because that started trending last year. Right, that one we saw last year a little bit didn't go the right way, um, you know was dis- was non-existent in the playoffs really you know to a point. So um, with both those guys, you know front of the rotation starters eat up innings, and front of the rotation starters the way they train today, you know we train different than they do in Japan where they throw you know 370 days out of 365. Right here we have different times off and we ramp up and velocity training and you know and everybody's body's the same. So it's it's going you know it's very interesting to watch some of these guys kind of not have their stuff early. Maybe it's spring training. Maybe it's off-season prep. Maybe it's just it's time. We don't know yet. Kluber on Sunday, two and two-thirds, walked five, allowed six runs. In three starts, he's pitched only 12 innings and given up 11 earned. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. And, of course, they've got some issues right now with Clevenger as well. Yeah, so Mike's hurt. That's not, a good, that's, not a good, that's not a good situation. No, and the Indians we knew weren't going to be – the same, right? I think that they need to put themselves in a position to deal what they have. Um, Trevor Bauer has made no secret um, that he's not going to sign a long-term extension with anybody. It's one-year contract, one-year contract, one-year contract. So, you know, I, what what they do as a as a franchise, I think, with the youth movement that they do have, and they are a very good development organization. They'll have stuff in the system always. Um, you know, Kluber's early success will dictate what happens with him halfway through. I want to get back to that scouting report, the Tim Anderson scouting report. In a in a in a position or a profession that there's not a lot of accolades, I guess. Yeah, none. <laughs> none. 
Is that something that scouts live for? Like to, to nail that guy to, to, to have a report that, wow, I just, that's my guy. Like I wrote this guy up perfectly or in the grand scheme of things, does it kind of get lost over the years in the piles of paperwork and files that are on these scouting directors and teams computers? You know, it used to be, man, it, time flies. It used to be that you got rewarded for stuff like that with promotions and contracts, right? If you got players right, especially a guy like Anderson, who you didn't take, and was four or five picks behind you. I think he was four picks behind, five picks behind. We took DJ Peterson at 12 that year, so he was five picks behind oh, us, right? That's one you wish you'd had back. Yeah, um, it's it's one where you look back and you know what the, that that pays off somewhere. You know, today's game. I don't know if that's as prevalent. I think today's games because you know, of the analytics and the video and all that, I, or I think not that, so many quote unquote hard. How do I say this? Baseball lifers, perhaps. Right, so, so I'll get into it. Okay, that's, that's what we do, right? Yep. Um, there's quite a bit of reports I wrote in Seattle of big leaguers that guys that were good players that I took a lot of heat for. I'm not going to go further with than that okay. because I'm going to keep my, when you say heat, as in you are, you are way, way ahead of your skis. Like I'm, you are yeah, over projecting I'm, I'm gonna, them. I'm going to roll with it and I'm going to answer that hundred percent. Okay. Okay. I got, took a lot of heat in, 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 as my role in the cross checker in Seattle for reports like Tim Anderson, reports like Cody Reed, reports like David Fletcher, reports like, uh, Kevin Gosman, um, to, to name a few. Okay. It's just because it didn't agree with the people that were actually making that decision. So my role was more, a lot like middle management. Yeah. Okay. Your, your job is to oversee the area right. scouts. Your job is to double check their work in, Correct. A, in a sense. Correct. And my GM to, at the time, to basically give another set of eyes to say, you know what? I see what this guy's seeing. Yeah. And my GM at the time, Jack Zarenzik is a great dude and was, is good to me today and was like a, like an uncle and a godfather and a million different things. But the reality is, is I didn't agree with some of the people that were making the selection, um, that were above me, right. That were, that were more in, in tune with what direction we were going to go. I didn't care if I did or not. That wasn't my job. My job wasn't to make the pick. My job was to get guys in the right park and whatever we did there as an organization to make that decision, I was good with because that's part of moving as, as a unit. Okay. Um, so when I see something like that, a report that I kind of get the term is crushed mm -hmm. for. Okay. When I see that, it's just, it's a satisfaction to me. It's like, all right, I did a good job. All you want to do in this game as a scout is know you did a good job. You don't go become a scout for accolades. You don't co you don't become a scout because you're looking for, um, somebody to tell you you're great. It's not about you. It's about the players. It's about what the fans are getting out of it. And if you really, really die hard, bleed the game like I do, like a million other people do that are doing this, it's about the city. You want the city to do well. And good players can change a city. And Tom McNamara, former scout and director of mine, said one player can change a city. And you know what? He was right. He was right. One player can change a city. He might have got that from Jack, but Tom's the one who gave it to me. So, yeah, for me, when Barstool picks it up, that's kind of funny. Yeah. That's funny. Because it's all these years later. Yeah, but, you know, it's, for, it, it does feel good to look back on your list and know, yeah, I did all right. Now, one of my mentors challenged me when he saw that. He said, all right, I know you got right. Who'd you miss? Go back and look and see what you missed. And you know who I missed? My biggest miss of all time? I, I know your you. biggest miss yeah, of all time is. Um, Paul Goldschmidt. Texas State. Absolutely. Whiffed. Late. You couldn't, I saw him five times and, and couldn't, and couldn't get it. And that didn't, that worked out okay for Paul. Okay. But next time came around was a guy named Reese Hoskins. 
who then you who, gave that Paul because, Goldschmidt because, comp to. Because you learn from it, right? So, and that was one that went in the fifth round and we couldn't get to him. And I was like, hello, like, hello, you know? So yeah, the answer to your question is when you take a lot of heat for it, you're not looking for promotions or you're looking for, yeah, all right, I did a good job. But why would you feel that you're taking, why would people give, you're, before this, this shift in philosophy in some ways, in yeah. terms of numbers, why wouldn't you want somebody on your staff who believes in their picks so much so that they will scream it from the highest mountaintops? I mean, I, we hear about all these great stories of Derek Jeter getting scouted, and the area scout there goes, um, well, he might go to Michigan. He says, no, nah, the only place he's going is the Hall of Fame. Right, or right. the scout who missed on, you know, the, his team passes on Albert Pujols. Or these other players that we hear where guys quit. They quit because their team didn't believe in that selection. You want to know what's funny? The irony of what's, it. Why is that bad? So let me, let me back up to that because, you know, the two guys you mentioned, the two stories, Jeter and Pujols, mm -hmm. I worked with both those guys. The, guy in, the scouts. The scouts. The first guy's name is Dick Groach. He yes. actually drafted Jeter and signed him with the Yankees. Yeah. Six pick. Yeah. Second guy's name is, is in recently passed, and God rest him, Fernando Rango. And he was the guy that fought with um, the Rays at the time, or Devil Rays, about drafting Pujols. They passed, killed in the 13th round, worked out okay. And I worked with both those and guys. there's others, by the way. I just can't think of right off the top of my head. But, but where, where, this, where this is interesting is I worked with both of those guys with the Milwaukee Brewers. Do you know who the scouting director was in the Milwaukee Brewers? It was Jack Zarensic. Okay? And so the tree there was very much believe in your convictions, center the player, scout the player, feel the player, understand the game, and tell me what you think. Don't let anybody else color what you're saying. We'll, we'll find supplemental information, and we'll put that together, and we'll make the decision. That's fine, but tell us what you think. So all I ever knew, for the most part, was that. Minnesota Twins, same way, right? Darren Johnson and Terry Ryan and Mike Radcliffe and Tim O'Neill and all those guys that I spent time with, um, Sean Johnson, you know, it, that was the same message. Joe McIlvain. Former GM actually was a, was a Mets, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, early in the eighties. Yeah, that's and the strawberry, and all. strawberry yeah, good and Keith, uh, Kevin Mitchell. And a, a funny story is Tim and I at the time, Tim O'Neill and I didn't get didn't agree on Sonny Gray versus another unfortunately deceased. This seems to be a weird day. Daniel Webb. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, and and Joe said, believe in your convictions, stay with your player, stay with your gut. My guy was Sonny. Okay, I wanted Sonny Gray, and and but it didn't it didn't matter. It wasn't like we took it personal. We're going to have fights. And today it seems like people take it personal. They take it personal if you have an opinion that is different than them. And then God forbid you're right. Like, who cares? This game is going to humble you 100% of the time. It doesn't matter if you're right, wrong, or otherwise. To, to be good at this game, you have to want to walk through fire and run through a wall every day of the week because somebody's going to come behind you and try to stab you in the back and get it. And they don't want to say that. They don't want to say that today. I've never been afraid of saying what's on my mind. I think we can establish that. And so when it comes to that, that report and others like that, for whatever reason, just didn't agree with somebody above me. And yeah, the heat comes down sometimes for that. Shouldn't, but it did. And so to see it come out later and, and know I got one right feels pretty good. I'm really surprised by that, that you would get heat over a glowing report on a player. I just, um, well, if, I don't know. Sometimes if people don't see the same thing, they take it as... You're going against, but they have to. Dis and I'm not saying this happened in this case, but they have to disparage you or the report or what you see. I, 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 I think it's more of this maybe guy, disparage is not the right. Yeah, word. I think it's more of this. You know, this guy, whoever this person is, that's writing the report. Not me, because I'm the only person who's ever been through this. But this person who's writing the report doesn't 
isn't going along with us because he sees something we don't. Well, that's not scouting. That's community. Scouting is, I went to the ballpark. This is what I saw. This is why I saw it. Here's the quantifiable reasons why I saw it. Go make your opinion. That's scouting, okay? And if I happen to get, you happen to get one right, you get one right. You're going to get more wrong in this game than you're ever going to get right. I just had good mentors, man. I had good teachers. You know, Ray Montgomery and I spent a lot of time in the car. He's, he's now the special assistant with the, with the Brewers. Yep. Once again, the Milwaukee Brewers, mm-hmm. right? A lot of time in the car going over this stuff. And so, you know, yeah, when you, I guess the, back to the original question is the accolades aren't why you do it. But when somebody, something picks up on you, got one right, it's nice to get a little pat on the back. Do you do it for all the rewards points you get? Those no. are pretty high. No. All right. So here's why I have to apologize. One of the coolest parts of this podcast when we first started out was, was to go back. That was funny. What was funny? That was funny. The rewards points. That was funny. Yeah. Those are good. Thanks. <laughs> One of the coolest parts of this podcast, which I've neglected to follow through on in the past 22 of them, was your old scouting reports. And we need to get back to that, Jeremy. We need to get back to this. So today we're going to get back to it. And in you're front not, of me today, huh? Nope. Mm-hmm. What, what, nope. what? You're not on a bar stool. No, I'm not on okay. a bar stool. All right. We are going to look back at one of your past scouting reports. And today we are going to look at, from the New York Mets, first baseman Dominic Smith. And the reason I bring this up now, Dom Smith has had a pretty interesting career thus far. It's It's safe to say that he has not lived up to expectations, being drafted in the first round, a advanced hit tool, right? Yeah. Yeah. The power has... Not really manifested itself, correct? Yeah, I mean, doubles type first baseman. I don't remember what I wrote in the report, but doubles type. But right now, small sample size, but in New York, sometimes that's what you need at the beginning of the season is to get off to a hot start before all the fans turn on you. I mean, Dominic Smith right now is hitting 450, OPS over uh, 1,000, nine hits in his 20 at-bats, but considering what he's dealt with both on the field and... Conditioning wise, and there's been some issues about yeah. his body and things like that. I, he's off to a great start. I think it's safe to say that. So here's what you wrote about Dominic Smith in, darn it, 2013. Same is that year. what this is? Same year. Okay. Regular first baseman in major league role, potential five hitter in your lineup, gamer with instincts and real world hit ability, run saver at first base around the bag, saves infielders, throws routinely. Punctuation is always bad on these. That's, Not your yeah. fault. No, it's just, Loose extra base swing with power to the pull side and doubles to the opposite field. Gets on front side early at times and loses the barrel. Squares it up consistently when his timing is on. Hit over power profile will produce runs. Fair athlete with offensive ceiling. I love these comps, man. I love these comps because this goes back to like when I was a kid. Uh, player comparison. I'll do physical description first. Thick body with strength, hip, uh, high waist, sloped shoulders, long arms and legs. Comments, moves okay, rhythm to actions. Uh, athleticism average. Player comparison, Mike Easler. Yeah. Mike you know, Easler was a pretty good player. Pretty good player for a while. And the other one I struggled with on him was, was Franklin Stubbs. Oh, who, wow. Who was a former Dodger. Franklin I want to say he was a Stubbs. brewer. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, used to, you know, I grew up in L.A., so I saw Franklin Stubbs a lot in the 80s. And um, 
You know, I, I thought this guy was going to be a doubles. You know, Easler was more appropriate to what Dom Smith can be. You know, Stubbs was more of a feast or famine ambush type guy, which means he was waiting out one spot, one pitch. And mm-hmm. Dom Smith was a pure hitter. So, um, but he he is going to help you defensively. He's going to help you around the bag. He's going to make your infielders better. He's going to hit. He's going to drive in runs in, in a in a more um, you know throwback type of way. It's not all or nothing. It's pure hit and. Yeah. And, you know, the Mets right now with Peter Alonzo are playing him a little bit more, who's got right-handed sure. power and strength, yeah. and, and it is what it is there. But Dom Smith is, is a guy that, that that's has some value, and if he can play the outfield, then he really turns into like a Mike Greenwell type can of he, guy. Can he play the outfield? I don't know. But, I, you know, if, you're gonna, if he's going to be a pure bat at some point, that's going to have some – some 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 need for your lineup that's going to fill right. It's going to be with a pure hitter that needs to have enough at bat to stay in rhythm and stay fresh. How about those Mets, huh? Yeah, doing pretty well. How about those Mets? And they've got some issues, good issues, yeah. because they've got some guys that will be coming off uh, the injured list and things like that. And yep. and it's almost like they're going to have some issues on where guys are going to play. But really, I mean, when you look at that National League, uh, New York. Certainly the Dodgers are still there, mm-hmm. hitting home runs in bunches. Mm-hmm. And um, that New York team, hey, so far, hand it to Brody. Brody's done a good job. And, and you know what? They got such good pitching at the front, even though DeGrom I don't think is right at the moment in time. You know, it's not, just something's out of sync. Those guys are pretty good. Um, the, they have a chance to hang with the Phillies and the Braves and make that a three-team division. The Marlins are obviously not going to compete anytime soon. And the Pirates, although in the Central, who's the other team I'm missing in the East? Nationals, uh, nationals. I mean, they're always going to be okay, but you know, it's it's the Mets have done a good job to compete. They're they're still missing a piece. I think it's pitching. Um, you know, the Jason Vargas is is probably not the answer at this point, and and probably needs to get. A Thanks for haircut. good inter- internet yeah, fodder, though. Yeah, it sure does. Um, but those guys are not. You know, he's he's probably a piece they're missing, and, and Dallas Keuchel sitting out there too. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because Brody's aggressive, but he's also got some constraints. I think with with where they are now and. We'll see what happens going forward, but you know they're they're pretty good. Alonzo is one of the biggest surprises has to be right now in the game. Peter, yeah, how he's adjusted the start to the first start. Three twenty eight, yeah, eleven sixty OPS, six homers. Cano's hitting two hundred. That surprises me. Robbie at two hundred surprises me, and and I don't know what the bats are like because having been glued into it. Sure, but Robbie's such a professional hitter. I got to figure he's going to get get better than that. Well, I think. Things on the horizon we'll be talking about. Kyle Tucker, yep. not today, but Kyle Tucker. Okay. Off to a slow start. Just where I act surprised? Um, did, I just, did I just say that? Okay. We'll bring out other scouting reports. Forrest Whitley. You got that one? No. Oh. We'll no. talk about Forrest Whitley. No. Because right now we're at uh, 25, 26 minutes in, so... Uh, actually, we're at 34 minutes in. That's that's because we're rolling. We are rolling because we're doing it. Um, so those are some of the things that we're going to promise people. Can I talk about that 2013 draft for one second? Yeah. Do you know who was in that draft? I got to pull it up again. I don't. So obviously Dom Smith. Yeah. Obviously I Tim Anderson. Uh, I think, didn't we talk about this draft? No. Didn't we talk about this draft once I don't before? Think so. Hunter Renfro was in that draft. Um, DJ Peterson, we took. Uh, I want to say J.P. Crawford was in that draft at 16. Um, 2013. That was the first 15 or 16 picks. I want, there was there were some pretty good players. Reese McGuire was in that draft. I want to say Austin Meadows was in that draft. Austin Meadows was in that draft. Yeah. Austin Clint, Meadows. Clint Frazier was in that draft. Of course, uh, everyone knows who went number one. Yeah, it was Mark Appel went 1-1 that year. 
Um, was, I think Naquin wasn't that year. He was 12. So it was Appel, Chris, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, Jonathan Gray, Cole Stewart from Houston. Yep. Clint Frazier, Moran, yep. Trey Ball. Trey Ball, Boston Red Sox, right? What, seven? Hunter Dozier, Austin Meadows, Bickford. Phil Bickford, yeah. Who I don't think signed, right? He, he did. Sign. He went to junior college and signed the next year in the first round with the Giants. Dominic Smith, DJ Peterson, Hunter Renfro, Reese McGuire, Braden Shipley. Yep. Shipley, hard thrower Arizona. out of Nevada. Correct. JP Crawford, Tim Anderson. Yep. Chris Anderson. Marco Gonzalez, Jonathan Crawford. Jonathan F- Crawford from Florida. Yes, pitcher. Yep. I saw him. I got that report somewhere. The catcher, uh, what's his name? Nick uh, from the Rays there. Um, Shufo. Hunter Harvey. Yep. Ooh, Hunter Harvey. I was, I was out. Poor guy. I was out. You were out? The whole time. You knew? Out. Yeah, and it was a struggle because we had guys that really liked him. I was like, I ain't doing it. Delivery? Delivery, effort, background, nothing to do with his dad, Brian, but just kind of the, the history buildup. I was like, this guy's going to go to college, and he didn't. Alex Gonzalez, Oral Roberts. I don't remember him. I loved him. Billy McKinney? Loved him. Christian Arroyo? Did, loved him in pro ball. Didn't see him that year. Eric, uh, the third baseman from Notre Dame. Uh, Gigalo. Yes. Yeah, loved him too. Uh, who else is in there? Oh, yeah, some guy at 32, Aaron Judge. <laughs> so we had a national cross-checker at the time. No, West Coast supervisor at the time who was really in on Judge and tried to get us to take him too and nothing doing. It's interesting how that goes, right? Yeah. Go back and look at who you didn't take. And then sometimes there's the situations where you love a guy and you don't get a chance to take him. Because a lot of big gets... leaguers on that list, though, right? Yeah. A lot of guys in the big leagues. Um, Adam Frazier went later in the draft. He went in the f- fifth, sixth round of the Pirates. Sixth round. And he's doing okay. I have that report, too, somewhere. You can look that one up as well. Which one? Adam Frazier. I sent you that one. Chichi Gonzalez. I loved him. Loved him. I want to say Michael Kopech might have gone that year, too. No, Michael Kopech was 14. He was 14. On the temporary inactive list. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. But Chichi Gonzalez had a good arm. It was slider dominant. And he you know, was probably a reliever in the end. And, and I think Mac got that one right. Tom got that one right. But he was a fast mover and, and somebody who could help you in the bullpen. He's an isotope right now. Absolutely. All right. Wrap it up. We're done. All right, everybody. Cue the music. For Jeremy, I'm Jason. Thanks again for listening to Extra Bases and the Extra Bases Podcast.